You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is the late Capitol Hill police officer, Brian Sicknick. You've heard the name probably. He died after January 6th of natural causes. You may not have heard that. They've tried to emphasize every step of the way that he was murdered by insurrectionists. It's not true. You can look it up in the coroner's report. And now we have, because of Tucker Carlson, good for him, evidence, evidence that this man was alive, was performing his duties, when they told us he was incapacitated. One of the millions and millions of lies told about January 6th. Or as I call it, January fixed. This thing was fixed. Now you gotta remember, they let people inside. Yeah, Tucker has some of this. We've been talking about it for a long time as well. The little cop in front of the Capitol. (laughs) NBC News has never showed this. Who is that person letting people inside? Why were the cops just standing there allowing the protesters inside? Hello, welcome to the Capitol. Yes, right this way. No problem. Hi, hi, hi. And what about those three officers who walked off their post just before Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed? Why did they leave that corridor, empty, free of law enforcement, so these guys could start pounding on the door, and so Officer Michael Byrd could take a shot at Ashley Babbitt? Why did that happen? Did they kill Ashley Babbitt so they could say falsely that it was a deadly insurrection? It was deadly. She was killed. Deadly insurrection, though. That sounds, that sounds really potent. I believe that this was fixed. They let people inside, not to stop the counting of the votes, but to stop the objections to the votes. And once the the riot was essentially orchestrated, nobody on the Republican side, I guess, felt in good conscience that they could continue to object to the very valid concerns we had about the election. And they were very valid. Now, Speaker McCarthy has promised to make the 40,000 hours of footage available to the public. I appreciate that. Right now, he's following a piecemeal process, and Tucker's great, and, uh, but this stuff has got to be put online so everybody can see it. You know what the left has said? <laughs> if you put this online, it will jeopardize the lives of the, of the members of Congress. That is so not true. I'll, I'll, I'll show why specifically in a moment, but this is their talking point. Sharing that footage is a grave mistake that risks emboldening the supporters of the big lie. What he did in terms of the lens of capital security and national security, there's really no excuse for it. House Democrats have been pretty clear that providing security footage uh, in a manner that would jeopardize 
protocols. The truth is this doesn't belong in the public domain for anybody. He is risking uh, the security of himself and of his colleagues uh, and of the Capitol uh, itself. They're almost nervous. They're nervous about this footage becoming public. One of their, the rationale that they've cited is, well, then future insurrectionists will know the locations of the security cameras and can plan accordingly. It's a total joke. Of course, whenever anything bad happens, a bank robbery, a convenience store robbery, you know, we see that we see security cameras all the time. <laughs> we know basically where security cameras are kept, right? In the ceiling, often by doors. It's no mystery. No one's going to be able to plan a successful insurrection because they know where the security cameras are generally located. It's a joke. I notice that the left, they don't seem to mind that uh, police have body cameras, right? When they run around, you know, we see the body cam footage and we know that those body cameras are right in the middle of their uniform often. Is that putting their lives at risk? Uh, it has complicated. Them. Body cameras are a good thing, but the whole idea that we can't see the January 6th security footage because we'll know where the security cameras are and hence that's a security violation. That's a lie. Might even call it a big lie. All right. Did you see Trump this weekend? President Trump at CPAC. He was excellent. And uh, there's really no secret why he's 30 points ahead in the polls. He's better than the competition. Take a look. For seven years, you and I have been engaged in an epic struggle to rescue our country from the people who hate it and want to absolutely destroy it. If those opposing us succeed, our once beautiful USA will be a failed country that no one will even recognize a lawless, open borders, crime-ridden, filthy communist nightmare. That's what it's going, and that's where it's going. In 2016, we took away the power of this corrupt political class, and we did more in four years than any administration in the history of our country. If you look at what we did. There's only one president in history who has ever taken on the entire corrupt establishment in Washington. And when we win in 2024, we will do it again even stronger, faster and better. We had a Republican Party that was ruled by freaks, neocons, globalists, open border zealots and fools. But we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Karl Rove and Jeb Bush. Our enemies are lunatics and maniacs. They cannot stand that they do not own me. I don't need them. I don't need anything about them. I don't need their money. They cannot steer me. They cannot shake me. And they will never, ever control me. And they will never, ever, therefore, control you. We will make America great again. Thank you very much. CPAC, thank you. Thank you very much. Man. Thank you. All right, see what I mean? But this really infuriated and may have made somewhat frightened, frightened for their jobs, the deep state. Listen to this part. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. Not going to let it happen. I will totally obliterate the deep state. All right. Ooh, the retribution word. How could he say such a thing? How could he say retribution? That sounds so. It's actually fine. 
Can we see the definition technically of retribution? Punishment inflicted on someone as vengeance for a wrong or criminal act, okay? Retribution is payback for a criminal act. Punishment, yes, that is actually okay. It's all within the law. And it's just fine, okay? The deep state, oh, they don't like Trump. And look, he's obviously put them on notice. He's coming back. They're going to do whatever they can to stop him. So it's going to be, it's going to be brutal. But a reminder to the deep state, you guys are supposed to work for us. Lately, you actually think we work for you? That's what the fake news thinks. Uh, this is Chuck Todd. Listen, interestingly, what he says to two members of Congress, one Republican, one Democrat, uh, about what the deep state thinks of Congress these days. Concern. I get the sense that the, that the intel community doesn't trust Congress. And you guys, is that fair? You think you guys have to rebuild your, you have to prove to them that you're trustworthy with secrets? Amazing, huh? Our elected leaders, they have to prove to the unelected bureaucrats that somehow they're worthy of of secrets. It doesn't work that way. Look, nobody really loves Congress, but they are elected. They're in the Constitution. The intelligence community, they're not in the Constitution, but they have to work to gain the trust of the intelligence community. Isn't that amazing? The deep state, they are very, very carried away with uh, themselves. The deep state. And who's good at the deep state? Joe Biden and his family. The bully pulpit that I have as a result of the privilege of being associated with, with my brother Joey. And I'll do everything in my power to support you to get the job done, to get federal dollars to your research. Frank Biden, brother of Joe, going to get you federal dollars for whatever it is you want to do. I'll get the job done. The deep state basically authorizes stuff like this. They all do it. All right. They all do it at the presidential level, in the Senate, in the House. They all got families working and trading in on the name. It's astounding. It really is. Oh, but they have to do something. They have to at least pretend they're doing something. Congress, that is. In the meantime, take a look at Sherrod Brown. This is a Democrat from Ohio. Hey, the derailment happened. My big frustration is the pathetic federal response to that derailment. But he has a solution. Listen to this. These trains carrying hazardous material will come into Ohio and they don't have to notify the state that they're here. They don't have to notify local fire departments. But how would the bipartisan legislation you introduced this week prevent disasters like this? Well, it does, a, it does a number of things. Uh, it, first of all, it, it requires notification. You're coming into the state carrying hazardous material. You're going to notify the governor's office, who will then notify local communities. Give me a break. These trains come in at 3 in the morning all the time. They're going to call up the governor, and the governor is going to call up the local fire departments to let them know that a train that is not going to derail is coming through the county. It's not going to work, but... He will be able to say, and his colleagues will be able to say, look, we did something. And that's what it's all about, right? Again, the railroad, they had an accident. It's the federal response. By the way, Joe really resents how profitable this railroad apparently is. 54, I believe, of the, maybe 53 of the Fortune 500 companies that made $40 billion dollars. You know how much money they made in the third and fourth quarter? I mean, the second and third quarter? One 
100 billion dollars. 100 billion. No. It's outrageous. Exxon made more money than God. The railroad company who's made, by the way, tens of billions of dollars in profits. Tens of billions of dollars of profits. Billions. He's always, he's jealous of the money. The last one there, that is Norfolk Southern. They made billions of dollars. Joe would have known this. It takes billions of dollars to run a railroad. He just sees the money and he wants it because he's greedy. And so is his family. It's as simple as that. I'll be right back with a domestic terror attack that Joe Biden didn't even hear about, apparently. Happened in Atlanta. Antifa responsible. We'll be right back. Hey, just a little domestic terrorism in Atlanta, Georgia, and nobody seems to really care. Nobody seems to be particularly alarmed. Not the FBI, not uh, the Biden administration. Take a look. This is terrorism. A police compound, a training facility where they're, uh, they want to conduct hostage training. Look at that. That's a police facility under attack, firebomb attack, an organized ambush almost by members of Antifa. Dozens upon dozens of them. Next, they lit vehicles on fire. And it's kind of ho-hum. No one seems to be particularly concerned about it. I am. I think you should be because this is going to lead to dead cops if we don't do something about it fast. Did you see some of those arrested? Now, Fortunately, they're being charged, 23 so far, with uh, domestic terrorism charges, others with less serious charges. They don't look uh, like particularly nice people, do they? Kind of, a, kind of a rough crowd. But this happened over the weekend and uh, plenty of time for Joe Biden to learn about a domestic terrorism attack, a real one. Uh, they don't care. Wait, say that again. What, what was the protest? That was her response. When, does the president know about this? Is he concerned? What does he have to say? And once it was explained to her, uh, she had nothing else really to add. Is the, what, is the president aware of this? Is the White House concerned about this escalating? Is the White House tracking this? And how worried is the White House about this? No, it, we have not been, I've not heard any discussions about this protest over the weekend, so we'd have to go back to the team and see where we are, where we're standing, and, and uh, a response on that. Just This is the first time I'm hearing on about uh, this protest over the weekend, so just would have to come back with you, to you on that. Protest. It was a domestic terror attack. They only really care when they can say it's a white supremacy situation, which they really can't, so they make it up when they do, but this is something they should be very concerned about, and they're not. Where was Joe Biden, by the way? He was shooting his mouth off about phony stories. He was trying to appeal to some firefighters union. Found the only firefighter union that would invite Joe Biden. I mean, firefighters do not like Joe Biden. Um, you know, this happened not too long ago in Atlanta. Police came under organized attack by Antifa, and everybody wants to shrug their shoulders about it. Domestic terrorism is real. And can you imagine, by the way, Donald Trump not knowing about this, right? <laughs> the guy was on top of everything from Chris Rock to ISIS. He, had, he, was, he was not a victim of the so-called presidential bubble, you know, being cut off from everything. That is a leader on top of it all the time. 
These individuals, by the way, the Antifa members, where do they get uh, fired up? You know, they talk about radicalization on the Internet. You don't have to go to the Internet to get radicalized anymore. You can just turn on regular old TV. In 2016, when Micah Johnson, a black identity extremist, opened fire and killed those cops in Dallas, you know, to find the kind of material that was uh, really motivating him, you would have to go to the depths of the Internet. Uh, there's Micah Johnson. He was killed by police. What do you have to do now? Again, just kind of... And they're giving all kinds of motivation to all kinds of people. We've seen with horrifying clarity the cost of systemic racism. We have a system that is built on systemic racism, and we have to dismantle that system piece by piece. Racism is systemic. It is structural. It is pervasive. Racism in America is endemic. It is foundational. America has a long history of systemic racism. The battle to achieve racial justice and root out systemic racism in this country. So that's the message all the time from this administration and the media. So that's why Joe Biden on the 58th anniversary, not the 60th, not the 50th, but the 58th anniversary of the bloody Sunday demonstration riot at uh, the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Well, Joe went there yesterday and, and walked across the bridge. And um, this is pandering, everybody. And this is also, I think, trying to rip the country apart over what were healed racial wounds. He wants us divided. He wants us fighting for his benefit, for his cronies. This is the kind of thing you say when you want to rip apart the country. You dwell on the past, not our present successes or hope for the future. Listen. The truth matters. Notwithstanding what the other team is trying to hide, they're trying to hide the truth. No matter how hard some people try, we can't just choose to learn what we want to know and not what we should know. We should learn everything, the good, the bad, the truth of who we are as a nation. And everyone should know the truth of Selma. There's something about the holding the microphone and barking like that and lying and trying to rip this country apart it reminds me of something. I'll put my finger on it soon, but it's like a cult leader. That's how a cult leader or a wannabe cult leader talks. Next. The right to vote, to have your vote counted, is the threshold of democracy and liberty. With it, anything's possible. Without it, without that right, nothing is possible. And this fundamental right remains under assault. The conservative Supreme Court has gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years. Since the 2020 election, a wave of states and dozens, dozens of anti-voting laws fueled by the big lie and the election deniers now elected to office. He's engaged in the big lie and little lies and medium lies and big lies designed to enhance his power, but rip the country apart. That kind of rhetoric. You know, we're in favor of voter ID. Everybody should have. Democrats, by the way, agree with that. Voter ID is not voting under assault. But this poisonous rhetoric that somehow there's a white supremacy plot to deprive people of votes. Well, it's leading to increased violence 
all over the place. And often, often, yes, there is a racial component to the increased violence that we've been seeing. Oh, by the way, um, you hear about black-on-black crime, which is a horrible scourge and any crime. But did you know the crime rate, black-on-white crime, is 42.3 times more than white-on-black crime? That's uh, it's kind of startling, right? But we won't talk about that because January 6th is so important, right? we got to make everything about January 6th. If Joe were a real leader... He would not have gone on the 58th anniversary. Presidents don't have time to acknowledge the 58th anniversary. It's ludicrous. He should be addressing the situation in Atlanta, but he doesn't. Hey, one more thing about uh, Selma, which I have actually been to Selma in the early 1990s. I was quite moved, and I learned all about what happened. But you may notice that the, the bridge, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, you know what they did not do? They did not change the name of that bridge. Now, Edmund Pettus was a, <laughs> well, he was a segregationist and uh, not probably a very nice fellow, but he's part of history. And they did not change the bridge to the, uh, the Selma River Bridge. It's the Edmund Pettus Bridge because it's part of history. This, this renaming of stuff, that's, um, that's scary. That's scary, everybody. All right, got to talk about China. And Got to be afraid of China, a little bit afraid. We're better, we're stronger, but they're on the rise and it's getting dangerous. Joe Biden wants to think that this is a, a friendly competitor. They're not. They're the enemy. And actually, I, I, I've been waking up. For a long time, I thought that China versus America story was out of the economic pages. You know, the Financial Times. It wasn't, it wasn't warfare or potential warfare. That mindset is over. We got to get into the mindset that we had, quite frankly, in the 80s and even in the 70s about the then Soviet Union, right? The United States versus the Soviet Union. That was a clear cut contest, if you will. We both had missiles pointing at each other and, uh, you know, America was not going to screw around. We were not going to get invaded by the Soviets. Who remembers Red Dawn, an amazing movie about a bunch of high school kids who repel the Soviet Union? It was great, great stuff, but it actually popularized, you know, the idea that we had an enemy that was out to destroy our country. And these kinds of, call it propaganda, whatever, it worked. I think it's important. It reminded people that the Soviet Union was our enemy. Who's reminding us right now that China is our enemy? And this is the kind of imagery we need to see more of, okay? China, it looks like... They're plotting war against America. I know we always plan for these things, but these people, the Communist Party, they may really do it. Right now, they seem to own us. I mean, literally. Did you see the story about cranes? Apparently, those ship cranes, they are... You can spy on America through the cranes because guess what? We're getting all the cranes from China, just like we're getting all of our drones, the toy drones or the bigger ones that police use. You know, the Chinese build them. And they retain access to them. They've found a way to hack into our drones to surveil us. They're already basically owning universities. The millions of dollars, the students, the technology stealing. You know, they're buying up farmland all over the place. They're actually, I believe, buying certain members of Congress and the president of the United States. <laughs> More on him in a moment. You know, everything in my office, everything 
that's a little, it's kind of messy there, but uh, I looked through everything today. Everything in my office came from China. The computers, the fan, the only thing that wasn't from China, I had a can of shaving cream. <laughs> that's it. They own us. And I do believe they own the president. What was Joe Biden talking to President Xi about all that time? And why were they alone together? I spent a lot of time with President Xi. Travel over 17,000 miles with him. Spent, they tell me, over 24 hours in private discussions with him. I was with Xi Jinping in, in the Tibetan Plateau, and he asked me that when I traveled with him 17,000 miles. And uh, it was a private meeting, just he and I. And I had 24, 25 hours of private meetings with him when I was vice president. I've spent more time with Xi Jinping in China than any world leader has when I was vice president all the way through to now. Over 78 hours with him, alone. Alone, alone, why alone? Why is he bragging about that? And why doesn't he get him on the phone and yell at him at least about the balloon, about COVID coming from the lab, about the lies? He won't do it. Looks to me like he's compromised. He wouldn't do it for us. Maybe, just maybe, Joe could do it for the children. Try getting a kid off a of TikTok. Good luck. We'll be right back. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Hey guys, it's Carson. The madness was upon us. Make your march a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online at mybookie.website slash Newsmax. Use the promo code Newsmax to receive a deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance to win big money. If you're the type of person who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at a life-changing amount of money. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win like MyBookie. Remember, visit MyBookie online at mybookie.website slash Newsmax. Use the promo code Newsmax to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's mybookie.website slash Newsmax. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. So the Chinese have figured out how to spy on us through the cranes at our shipyards? Is there anything that the Chinese don't make, don't own, don't use to spy on us? Take a look at this from the Wall Street Journal. Pentagon sees giant cargo cranes as possible Chinese spying tools. You know, there was no doubt that President Trump was tough on China. I have a feeling they had a lot of respect for Trump and they didn't want to mess with him, all right? Uh, that's not the same case with Joe Biden. Oh, by the way, uh, when it comes to China, there's somebody that Donald Trump listens to very closely. We were lapping China. China was supposed to have taken over as the world's largest economy. And we were actually increasing at a level that nobody thought possible. We were doing great. And by the way, we have a great gentleman. Speaking of China, will you please stand up? Gordon, stand up, please. Gordon China. 
What a moment for Gordon Chang, who joins us once again. Gordon Chang, author of The Great U.S.-China Tech War and the Coming Collapse of China. Gordon, welcome. And also General Blaine Holt, Newsmax contributor, retired one-star U.S. deputy military rep to NATO. Gentlemen, thank you both. Gordon, that was an amazing shout-out. Uh, <laughs> what did that feel like? And then, if you don't mind, how worried should we be about this Wall Street Journal story and the uh, spying cranes? Well, it almost felt as good as General Holt felt when Georgia won the national championship. But I'll put that aside for a moment because I actually root for another team, which okay. didn't do quite so well this year. Um, the, the really important thing is I think you're right, Greg, that the Chinese did not want to take President Trump on. And certainly Vladimir Putin did. You know, Putin invaded Ukraine, took Crimea in 2014 during the Obama era. And then, of course, they didn't do anything during Trump. And then, of course, um, uh, Putin invaded uh, Ukraine in the Biden era. So, I mean, we have a real live test and it shows that President Trump kept us safe and he kept Ukraine safe. So, uh, General Holt, you know, I feel like we need to be as a country the way we were toward the Soviet Union in the 80s and even in the 70s, right? We were all kind of, we all understood as a culture, as a country, the Soviet Union were the bad guys. I think that that would be a very healthy attitude for all of us to have toward the Chinese. Am I wrong? And is that possible to actually orchestrate and accomplish? No, you're absolutely correct. It's great to be with both of you and go dogs there, Gordon. <laughs> but the uh, uh, what I'll say is, is that you know, it's much more complicated now because Wall Street was not up into the innards of Russia at the time of the Cold War. Uh, and here you've got a very, very compromised banking system all over China. They also pay the bills of the lobbyists, which pay the bills of the Congress, which taps the brakes on anybody being tough on China. Intelligence can work two ways. Uh, during the Trump administration, the Chinese had a very formidable espionage network in our in our country, just as they do right now. But but the information they were bringing home to Beijing was you don't want to mess with these guys. They're going to stand up to us. Their strategic intent towards us is very clear. And you could see that in the aluminum tariffs and the steel tariffs. We, we actually had a lot of resolve. And right now, China's done more in the last two years to make us reevaluate this relationship. And yet, we see little signs that the fentanyl killing 100,000 Americans a year is bothering us or that Chinese spy balloons are bothering us or that they're threatening to arm Russia, which they're really already doing, is bothering us. We are, we are feckless, and that comes from uh, questions that have to be answered about who's compromised in our government, and it's not just the administration. It's not just the administration. It is... Who else? Congress. You should look to leaders of Congress. You should look at folks who sleep with gals named Fang Fang. You can just go right on through the list. Gotcha. Um, they are ripping us apart from within, Gordon. I mean, our children. They're targeting our children. And they're not doing any of this. I, I, I read recently that China actually has figured out a way to limit TikTok. They actually limit the highly addictive TV programs. They have technology to do that. Uh, uh, we are. I love our democracy. We want a democracy, although it doesn't feel like a democracy. This is a deliberate strategy. They're trying to destroy us from within. No, certainly, um, because they believe that the U.S. is an existential threat. And they believe that we're an existential threat because of the inspirational uh, impact of our values and our form of governance on the Communist Party. And when you talk about TikTok, 
They're illegally and surreptitiously taking data. You know, someone said that there are 86 million spy balloons in the U.S., and, and that certainly is right. But also with TikTok, they are using the algorithm that curates content to actually amplify propaganda. And it's not just Chinese propaganda, but Russian disinformation about the Ukraine war. They glorified drug use. General Holt talked about fentanyl. That's a project to destroy Americans. And they are taking fentanyl. They're dying it, making it looking like candy, and they're marketing death to our children. So with this in mind, just thinking out loud, okay, thinking the unthinkable, first strike. Should America, it's not going to happen, it can't happen, but should we be thinking about waging war, initiating war, initiating a hot war? General Holt, look, they're going to win if we keep going in this direction. Is, are we getting to the point that we have to do something with our military against China to keep them in line or put them back in their box or something? Greg, there's so many tools that we have that are unexplored that are lever tools uh, to deal with China. Uh, China deals with us in a way that they call unrestricted warfare. And to your point earlier in your monologue, everything to China is war. It could be economics. It could be information, diplomacy. Every single facet of what the Chinese Communist Party does is warfare. And yes, they have movies like we used to have that show them killing Americans all the time. And so what do we do? Do we do a first strike? No, I don't think that we have to violate our values to deal with China. In fact, the tools are right before us, but we won't use them. We need to reevaluate our relationship with them. China needs us economically far more than we need them, and we need to explore that realm now. But we need to look inward internally as to who needs to be investigated uh, for actually colluding with China. Gordon Chang, we got a big military. Should we do anything with it? Uh, uh, should we initiate anything? You know, I, I agree with General Holt. There's a lot of things that we have not used. We haven't used trade to the extent that we can. Investment, cutting off technical cooperation, closing their consulates. There's an enormous list of things that we, because of political will, we don't have it. But because of the lack of political will, we just haven't used. And I think that those will be effective in defending the United States. But we have leaders like President Biden who choose not to use it because, as you point out, Biden only calls China a competitor. They don't call, he doesn't call them an enemy. And China is an enemy because that's what they call us. Yeah. So we have to understand the way they view us and treat them the same way. And he doesn't call them on the phone. He's, uh, he's so tight with Xi, but can't get him on the phone. It's very weird. All right, Gordon Chang, Blaine Holt, thank you so much. To be continued, we'll be right back. What's it like to be in the fourth, fifth, or sixth grade right now? Um, and Black Lives Matter riots are celebrated as peaceful protests. Wonder what message actually trickles down to grade school kids that all this is, is beautiful and white supremacy is everywhere, right? You've heard the lies. What impact does that have at the grammar school level? Well, take a look at this. At one grammar school in Springfield, Ohio, uh, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on, but we've been able to piece it together. A number of black students were bullying, reportedly, white students into getting on their knees and chanting, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I've actually seen similar situations in the adult world, believe it or not, but this is happening with children. 
Uh, we're joined now by Ashley Henthorn and Ryan Springer, uh, both parents of their son, Tyler, six, in sixth grade. He's 12 years old, and we hear he was bullied into chanting Black Lives Matter by other students. Welcome to the show. How are you both? Fine. How are you? I'm terrific. Great. How are you? Thanks for being here. How's your son, uh, and what kind, of, what kind of experiences was for him? Was it traumatizing? Tell us what happened, if you don't mind. Okay, so he said that day he was back there in the field behind the swing set. He was playing with another student that he's been friends with since first grade. Um, there was two girls that approached him, grabbed him by both of his arms, forced him over to that side of the playground. Um, the boys that were waiting on them forced him to his knees um, and made him say Black Lives Matter before they let them get up. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy. Let me ask you, sir, I mean, <laughs> you know, this is happening in society at large. Who do you blame here? I mean, this is obviously bullying, terrible behavior. It shouldn't be happening. The kids bear some responsibility for this. But uh, what about, you know, the media and Democrats and government yelling and screaming oh. about racial justice all the time? Yes, yep. m most definitely a lot of a lot of media is very poisonous to kids these ages that are at this age. Um, social media is very poisonous to their minds. They're exposed to a lot when they're when they can just freely surf the internet or some of these social media um, sites just freely. But um, you know, even in white, even with even it don't really matter. Even with a lot of white children, children of all races, a lot of hate like this too also comes from the home. It's um, they reflect on how on what they see their parents do or how they see parents treat each other. But um, I, I, a lot of a lot of behavior like this does come from, I think, where kids are just can openly have social medias like, you know, they have a lot of those TikTok challenges sure. that go around and it just it leads to kids just getting in trouble. We have a comment, if you don't mind. I want to play this, sir. It's from uh, Denise Williams, president of the NAACP in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, take a look at this. I need to know what really is the problem. And I, I want to make sure that the children involved rights are protected. Uh, it sounded somewhat conciliatory. Uh, the school, I hear, has apologized. They don't like what happened. They're trying to say this could be a teachable moment. Tell us a little bit more, Ashley, about the reaction of the authorities, and are they adequately addressing what happened, in your opinion? Okay, so the principal did apologize. Um, he did seem sincere. Um, we haven't heard anything from the Springfield City School District. Um, apologetic. Um we haven't had any of the other parents that um, their kids um, did this to our children. They haven't reached out and apologized either. Um, the children themselves haven't apologized to our children. Um, the detectives in the juvenile system, they seem to be um, investigating it thoroughly from my, from what my understanding. Um, 
But as for what the prosecutor is going to do, I guess we just have to wait and see. Now, listen, I've been uh, I was bullied a little bit and I also was at times a bully myself. And there was pushing and there was shoving and there were some bad things that happened uh, in playgrounds. It happens. Yeah. Do you think um, either one of you, but Ryan, like, you know, if, if it weren't for the racial component here. Uh, this wouldn't be such a big deal. I mean, it doesn't, there were no limbs were broken, no serious uh, injuries. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, it is a big deal because we're not upset that our, about our child saying black lives matter because, you know, everyone's life does matter no matter what race they are. It's America. We all have the same freedoms. We all have the same opportunities. It just depends on how you as a person take the opportunities that, that you have in life. We're more upset about the bullying part of it, and the, the kids being assaulted by not just one child, but you know, Six. this was a whole group of children. And if this was vice versa, you know, if these were white kids doing this to black kids, they'd, they'd already been charged Before with hate down. crimes. You know, our, our, our city would probably been burnt down. The school would be tore up. There is a total double standard. We've seen it, and uh, it's kind of heartbreaking. And uh, last thing, and I only got a, a five seconds, any word that the kids have somehow reached an understanding that they're doing better in school, or is there, is there still real tension, you know, between, the, between uh, well, the black kids um, and the, the white kids? The kids that are responsible for the behavior uh, have been removed from, yeah. from the class. We don't know if they're just suspended for the moment or if they've been expelled, but they have been removed from um, school at yeah. this time. Well, when toxic lies are just percolating throughout society, it's no huge surprise that they would find their way into uh, a middle school and infect the minds of innocent kids. Uh, I'm yeah, sorry. That, yeah. Yep. And, yeah. We got to figure out how to overcome this. Like. Oh, just all the hate for each other has got to it's, it's got to change. We all got to coexist together. Yes. And maybe maybe we could all talk about God a little bit more. You know, we could do so much and there's so <laughs> yeah, much there. Absolutely. Ashley and Ryan, we thank you. Uh, give our best to your little guy, Tyler, and we'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you. So, Mr. Washington, can you quickly tell me uh, what airspace requires an ADSB transponder? Not sure I can answer that question right now. That's, that's okay. We'll just keep going. So, um, that's a that's a pretty important part. So, what are the six types of special use airspace that protect this national security that appear on FAA charts? Uh, sorry, Senator, I cannot answer that question. Okay, All so right. What are this the was uh, this is really ugly. This is Phil Washington nominated to be the FAA chief. Uh, Federal Aviation Administration, and he doesn't know anything about aviation. <laughs> it was so bad. But look at how the fake news reported his testimony. This coming in the midst of other transportation concerns, a series of close calls nationwide prompting the FAA to launch an air safety review. Last week, Biden's nominee for the FAA at his confirmation hearing saying safety is his top priority. We cannot think about uh, doing things the old way. Uh, and so I think uh, that a fresh perspective is needed. And the FAA now says it will hold a special safety summit on March 15th See what I mean? in Virginia. Nothing about his horrifically bad, uninformed testimony, just a cliche about we need greater safety. No kidding. 
That's why we need somebody better than that guy in the job. Sorry, disgrace. I'll be right back. Thank you very much, and I'll see you tomorrow.